Well, hello, everyone. Today, I have Alan Deb, the author of The One-Page Marketing Plan. I love this book. I've done a full summary of this book as well, or some of my favorite ideas from this book. I don't know if I call it a summary or some of my favorite ideas. Love the book, marketing book, and uh, I'm really excited to have Alan on the show. Alan, welcome. Hey, pleasure to be on the show, Manny. Thank you, man. Thanks for being here. And uh, before I get into the book, I want to learn about your personal story, your business story, really, and your, your marketing story, because there's a marketing book, and what led you to writing this book? Yeah, so look, my story, my business story really starts, um, I started my first business as a dead broke IT geek. I was good at the technical thing that I did, but, you know, I just sucked at really getting new customers in the door, getting new clients. Um, you know, the clients that I had loved us and loved the service that we provided, but we just simply, we, we didn't have enough of them. And that was very, very frustrating to me as a business owner because, you know, we knew that technically our product, our service was fantastic and people loved it, um, but it, we just didn't have enough clients. And, you know, we struggled for, for many years and the real frustrating part, and there's almost nothing more frustrating than, you know, you see competitors who are worse than you and they do better financially than you. Uh, and that was a very frustrating experience for me. And so I spent about a decade trying to learn marketing, trying to understand the fundamental concepts. I attended seminars, I read books and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, I got value from almost everything that I did and that I attended, but it was always just a small piece, like a small piece here, small piece there. And there was nothing that kind of put it all together. And so with the book, I wrote the book that I wish I had when I was starting that would really put it together in a full start to end concept and take me through that step by step. And so that's the book that I wrote. Um, I, I wrote, you know, a, a book that can take you from not knowing anything about marketing to a very sophisticated direct response marketing plan. And so that's been my journey. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, definitely the book because it's uh, the reason why I love the book is because it's so comprehensive. Starts from the early stage, like the the you know the the total stages of a customer's life cycle. In some ways, it, it goes through the whole journey rather than bits and pieces of the marketing puzzle. But I really want to understand how did things turn around for you from being the IT geek to now you have a marketing, you know, now you run SuccessWise and other businesses. Yeah. So tell us that part of the journey as well. What what changed, how it changed, and uh, what led you to where you are today? So, so one of the big, biggest mindset shifts for me was, you know, I was talking to one of my mentors and I was saying, you know, like, uh, you know, if only people knew how good our service was. And, and he stopped me right there and he said, hang on, hang on. When do people know how good you are? And I said, well, obviously after they've dealt with us and, and he goes, okay, so after they buy, right? Before they buy, they don't know how good your product or service is. They only know how good your marketing is. So your job is to become a marketer of IT services, not a, a, an IT guy who just does marketing on the side. And that was, boom, a massive mindset shift to me. And and I find that the same with my clients now, that we need to go from that mindset shift of you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're not an IT guy, but you're a person who markets medical services or markets legal services or markets IT products and services. So having that mindset shift was a big thing uh, early on. Now, of course, you need more than mindset, you need implementation. And so I struggled for a long time with you know, how do I implement 
uh, how do I implement? How do I uh, get? How do I learn copywriting? How do I do all of those things? And I spent a long time, and I probably spent too much money and too much time learning it by trial and error. I really should have gone to mentors earlier. I should have bought the courses earlier. I should have done the masterminds and mentorship earlier, um, and that would have helped shortcut the process. But anyway, that was my journey. Anyway, um, I ended up growing that business, and it um, grew nationally. Um, I ended up selling it for more money than I'd ever seen in my life. And then I repeated the process with my next business. So the next business we hit the ground running much faster. We went from zero to four years later, being one of the top 100 fastest growing companies in Australia. And again, I sold that company and uh, did very well out of that as well. And so th this is what brings me to SuccessWise. SuccessWise is my third venture. And I really started it because so many people were asking me, hey, can I, can I take you out to lunch, pick your brain or whatever, talk marketing and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, towards the end, I was running out of uh, days for lunch appointments, right? So, uh, so I thought uh, I'd better do this as a commercial service, something that I help uh, entrepreneurs with, and, and that's exactly what I'm doing now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I kind of feel uh, a sense of camaraderie with you in some ways, because I'm an engineer from my past life. I used to be a computer engineer, no. and one of the things you think as an engineer is if your product is good enough, they will find you. Like, you don't need marketing. Marketing is for other people, marketing isn't for those low brows in some ways. It's not for cool, awesome engineers yeah. who produce yeah. great things. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, and when I started 2000 Books um, four years ago, I quickly learned that marketing is almost, you know, you cannot escape marketing if you're going to yeah. have a business or grow a business. And <laughs> it's been, you know, so, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to get caught up in the idea that, if my product is good enough, everything will just work itself out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as I say, you know, build it and they will come is a great movie plot, but it's not a very good business strategy. You know, so many, yeah. there are so many products that have been fantastic products that, that have just, you know, died because they had poor, poor marketing, you know. And, you know, the be it's not the best products that win. Very often it's the best known products that win. So mm, it's unfortunate, you know, I, I, I wish it was more of a meritocracy, but in the marketplace, it's the best marketer wins every time, you know, and that's just a fact. And maybe you don't like it. Maybe I don't like it. Other engineers or IT guys don't like it, but that's, it's a fact. And, you know, we have to deal in facts in life. And, um, and so with that, you need to really become a good marketer if you're going to have commercial success. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I want to kind of give the people who are listening, who are watching an overview of this book so that we can jump into the details. Wow. And the way you've laid out the book, it's uh, it's literally one page marketing plan. As in, in one page, you can see your whole marketing infrastructure or whole marketing plan. Yeah. And it's laid out from the point of view of a potential customer or a customer hmm. in some ways. And let's talk about that. What are the three phases of that? Um, and how do we, like the division that goes around that, the basics in some ways? Yeah, so the, the basics are the before, the during, and the after. And so they're the three phases, uh, the three major phases of the marketing process because a lot of people think about just the before, how do I attract customers? How do I get people mm -hmm. to click on my ad? How do I get people to opt in? And they're important things, uh, uh, but 
very often the the real money is made in the after phase so after someone has their first transaction with you that's when the trust is highest that's when uh, someone is going you know has has trusted you enough to part with with some money and uh, you know a lot of people then focus okay great so how do we get our next client how do we get our next client and that's fine there's nothing wrong with moving to the next client and so on but the real money is made in uh, lifetime value of customers that we have in in, in upselling, in providing them with uh, a greater quantity or greater quality or, you know, uh, making sure that they're taken care of on a regular basis and, you know, building that tribe of raving fans rather than being transactional with uh, the business. So hugely, hugely important, makes a massive, massive difference to the bottom line. Like if you think about lifetime value, like, not just about front-end acquisition of clients, but about the actual lifetime value, massive, massive shift in your results. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, in the book, we're, tra- we're basically tracing the whole customer's, li- customer's journey in some ways from before, during, and after, hmm. as in what you need to do before, what you need to do during, or, or let, me, let me kind of rephrase it for people who are listening. Before someone becomes a lead, during the phase in which they are a lead, and then after is once they have become a customer after what do you do and what you're saying is uh, a lot of the marketing focus needs to be on the after phase where once you have acquired the customer once you have made a sale how do you actually repeat the sale or make upsells or you know do different kinds of offers to them in order to uh, increase your overall business and it's not just uh, that's exactly right it's, and it's not only just selfish to how do we increase our business or how do we squeeze more out of the customer it's about how do we give them better value and a better experience like if someone's not buying your product in enough quantity or enough frequency or enough quality they're going to have an, a suboptimal experience so how do we ha- make sure that they have an awesome experience because if someone has an awesome experience that's when they become raving fans that that's when when they become net promoters and that's when they uh, spread the word you know and you know sometimes it's not obvious like for example in uh, you know i recently switched uh, internet providers and the reason i switched internet providers was because my old internet provider they were fit for purpose when i bought the service many years ago but now You've got Netflix, now you've got streaming radio, you've got all sorts of streaming services, and it's no longer fit for purpose. So that created an event where I'm thinking, right, this is no longer fit for purpose. I need to go shopping for something else. Now, my ISP should have uh, had a look at my usage patterns and said, hey, hang on, we should put you to the next plan up because, you know, you're, you're really not, uh, this isn't, was fit for your, for purpose a couple of years ago, but is no longer. So, Taking care of the customer and making sure that they get buying the product in enough quantity, enough quality, enough frequency to make sure that they're still getting a great experience, not just on the day that you sold it, but down the track as as they use your product, as they use your service. So in some ways, it's like um, um, spending maximum efforts on the customers you've already acquired. Exactly. Is the key to winning in marketing. 
Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, one of the way uh, I heard a phrase the other day said one of the best ways to get new business is to speak to old business. <laughs> you know, mm, because I love it. because pe- people's requirements change, people's um, people's situations change, and you know, maybe they were doing a small amount of business with you before, but they're ready to do a lot more. And you know, if you're not taking care of them, then that can create a churn event. That can create an event where they open Google and search for someone in your industry who can provide them a better level of service. Mm-hmm. And for, for a lot of the customer, uh, for, for people who are listening, I mean, one of the things that's really important to understand, and I think you talk about that in the book as well, is that an existing customer is like maybe 10, 20 times more likely to buy yeah. compared to a new person that you have to acquire, new customer you have to acquire. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's very expensive to acquire a new customer um, and more so now with, you know, pay-per-click rates keep going up and up and up, assuming that you're using pay-per-click or, you know, any other media. Media uh, over time uh, can get more expensive. So it's it's costly to acquire a customer. So your your best time and effort is often spent either taking care of existing clients or reactivating old clients or getting people in the past who haven't bought from you to, to buy. Now, I'm not saying you ignore brand new customer acquisition. Of course, you, you, you acquire new customers as well. But very often, people are sitting on a mountain of gold. They've got a, mm-hmm. a list of past clients who haven't who've bought from them in the past or they've got people who have um, left to another competitor or people who maybe got a quote but didn't go ahead with it. So you're sitting on a mountain of gold and you know running a reactivation campaign uh, can be very good low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And... Uh you know, I I think of marketing as a as as a process of building trust. It's an endless process of building more and more and more oh. trust in yeah. your business in your overall um, efforts. And uh, what you're saying here is like once you have won someone's trust, now is the time to be able to leverage that, and because they have already trusted you, they are much more likely to trust you because winning trust is one of the most expensive things to do in the first place. But once you've won the trust, it's the thing that you need to leverage. Indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very important. Yeah. Um, so early on in the early phases of building the business, going back to the before phase, um, there are three things that, uh, you know, that stood out to me in a marketing campaign, the three key components of a marketing campaign, which is the market, the media, and the message, mm-hmm. right? Market, the media, and the message. It's like a triangle. If you think about it, the three M's of uh, the before phase. And uh, the market itself is something that um, a lot of entrepreneurs get wrong because the assumption is that we need to market to everyone or we should be marketing to a lot of people or we should be going after a giant pool and that's probably one of the most uh one of the most dangerous ways to just sink your business before you even get it off the ground yeah it's very counterintuitive it's kind of you know a lot of small business owners think right how can we cast the net really wide like get get as we don't want to exclude anyone because that will increase our market share and it's kind of counterintuitive but um, th- that's actually uh, that actually works against you many times uh, because uh, people want to work with specialists and now you know increasingly with Google with keywords and things like that people are typing in specific things they aren't typing just typing in doctor 
they're typing in knee specialist, right? They're typing in, uh, you know, back specialist or, or whatever it is. And so if what you do is too general, it's going to miss those kind of uh, searches. It's going to miss people who are looking for something very, very specific. You want to find an audience that you can serve where when you tell them what you do, they say, ah, oh, yes, that's for me, right? So that's when the magic happens. But when you create a laundry list of services, when you say, look, we do everything for everyone. We do one, two, three, four, and we do it for everybody, right? Your message just go just gets lost, and you don't have enough firepower as a small business to do big, massive, mass marketing campaigns because you know it's just too expensive. I mean, if you've got if you're a massive company like a General Electric or a Tesla or something like that, you can do mass marketing, right? Because you you've got millions and millions of dollars in your budget. You've got years to to get a result and to and get a return on investment. Whereas a small business, you've got a small budget, you've got a small time frame. you need to get a return now. So you need to go very, very narrow. You need to kind of shoot those arrows very at a very, very tight target. And you, you need mm-hmm. to say, this is the person that I'm going to serve and I'm going to create the best product or best service for them, right? So it's not maybe the best product, best service for everybody because there's no such thing. It's because you're going to have to water down your product dramatically if you're going to say, hey, this is for everybody. So you're going to have to say, look, this is for this specific type of audience and this is going to serve them the best out of any, any other solution that I can give them. Yeah, yeah. It is, uh, it's like uh, the difference between the laser and the light bulb or exactly. uh, the great uh, Bruce Lee, um, his famous words were, um, the... A great a, a great warrior is an average man with laser like focus. Yeah, and that's the same thing with uh, entrepreneurship. A great entrepreneur is an average man with laser like focus. Like you have to have laser like focus in your marketing, in your mar- in, in the in the in the market that you're picking in order to be able to grow fast, in order to be able to um, get traction in some ways. Otherwise, you will not get traction. I think that traction is the, the, the you, you will not gain momentum if you're marketing to the masses exactly. um, and trying to market to the masses. Um, it's possible, but it's very, very difficult. It's very, very expensive. Now that ma- media has gotten much, much more fragmented, it's much more difficult because previously when you had maybe two or three newspapers, two or, you know, three or four channels or whatever, then, um, you know, it was possible to reach people in a mass audience. But now, you know, there's streaming services, there's hundreds of cable channels, there's, you know, millions of different services online, social and streaming and everything like that. And to reach a mass audience is much, much more difficult and much more expensive. So you need to figure out who do you want to serve and how you're going to serve them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no... There's no, um, there's not enough money you have or enough time you have to be able to serve more like a wider audience as a start, as a startup, as an early stage business, like you have to choose and you have to make trade-offs. Like that's in some ways the essence of strategy to be able to make trade-offs, no, no trade-offs and making a generic, um, marketing, um, addressing the generic market literally means that um, you don't have a strategy and you are straddling a whole bunch of different strategies to get to where you want to go, which is not going to work. There's no precision there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the next phase, as you talk about, I mean, this is these are established phases of marketing, but the during phase where we take a prospect and you know, or take a lead and or prospect to lead to a customer, mm-hmm. right? And the challenge during that phase, and this is something I really enjoyed in your book. You're you're talking about how if you want to become a high growth business you've got to become a prolific marketer. Like you've got to become more consistent and more frequent marketer. Talk to us about that. Yeah, look, what I've found is, you know, a lot of people try to uh, do like one big marketing splash. Let's one do one amazing campaign or, or whatever. And they do, they do that one launch or one amazing campaign or, or whatever. And then that's it, right? And what I've found is the best marketers are people who just – they don't do anything crazy. They don't do anything uh, amazing or super creative or anything like that. I'm like you. I'm from a technical background, and I just want to know what's the process I need to follow, right? I, I'm not a, you know, in, in quote marks, creative guy and all of that sort of stuff. I'm, I, I'm from a process background, and I want to know what do I need to do daily, weekly, monthly to get new clients in the door. And so I find that the folks who um, implement things on a regular basis, who just do the uh, just do the routine stuff, but do it consistently, far far outperform the people who do some big crazy splash, who do some big launch campaign or whatever it is. They far far outperform those people. Being consistent in your marketing process, um, there's no substitute for that. Uh, and you know you will far far outweigh those people so I say to people you need to be a prolific marketer do something every day from a marketing perspective do something daily weekly monthly and that's what I do in my coaching program I work with people on what are we going to do daily what are we going to do weekly what are we going to do monthly and that doesn't mean that you as the business owner have to be doing it all you you of course build your team you have a process in place but you you need to be across the strategy you need to know this is what we're doing this is who we're targeting this is why we're doing it and then have some of those metrics and KPIs in place so uh, you know thinking of your marketing right not as an event but as a process mm-hmm as a process and as a system. Exactly. Uh, as a system that almost never ends. Yes, exactly. exactly. And I think uh, one of the challenges that uh, entrepreneurs have is thinking that, um, and this is something I see so often uh, when I get my coaching clients, early stage entrepreneurs, and they're like, well, I have this list and I made this offer and this is what happened. Now what? Well, now what? Now we've just started. Now is the time. Like we're gonna keep making this offer again and again in different ways and different angles. But the 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 challenge for a lot of people is to think that okay, I made this offer. I only made this much. Now, now I'm done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so exactly. how do we like talk to those people and kind of explain to them that now our work has just begun? Like just because you sold to that list of 10,000 people last time doesn't mean that that was the end of the story. Um, how do we explain like, hey, you now is the time to create more of these marketing systems? Like, okay, well, maybe you sent a five email sequence to sell this product. Well, maybe we need to craft another five email sequence that talks about another level of benefit of these products or another level of well, how do you how do you how do you explain that because a lot of businesses get stuck in that phrase uh, in that in that thinking that um, I don't know what to do with 
marketing and like how much more marketing can I do is what they're thinking. They're thinking, okay, I should create more products or go find yeah. more people, which yes, go find more people might be a strategy, but it's not always the only thing that will grow your business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, one of the things that I like to work with business owners on is building assets. This is how I explain it. So, you know, when you, you know, especially my clients who are in financial services, they really understand this well, that income comes from assets, right? So if you Mm -hmm. own a house, you can rent it out. If you own stocks, you can derive dividends from that. Now we want to build marketing assets. So Mm -hmm. how do we build assets that are going to generate uh, lead flow on a, ongoing basis and you know it's kind of like if you if you build a an oil well you can pull oil out of the ground for a long time that's an asset right takes a lot of time takes a lot of effort to build that but once you build it it's just maintenance and then you're literally almost pulling money out of the ground so exactly the same with your marketing we want to build some of those assets so like you said, if you build a five-step email sequence or if you build a direct mail sequence or you build a pay-per-click campaign, it takes a lot of time in the setup, but we want to build things that are evergreen that you don't have to kind of redo it uh, completely for every campaign. We want to have assets that you can deploy that are evergreen that will continue to, to work for you. And so when I see good marketers, they have a lot of different assets. Like, uh, you know, they've got a they've got a blog they've got a book they've got uh, opt-in sequences they've got conversion sequences they've got uh, offers that go out to their list regularly Um, and so a lot of these things can be set up in a way that they're evergreen that they don't expire especially if you're in an industry that's not um, you know things aren't changing very very fast Um, you know like if you look at marketing you know a hundred years ago market message media was relevant in 100 years from now market message and media will still be relevant yes there's different technologies yes there's different ways of doing it all of that sort of stuff but the fundamentals are the same and they will continue to be the same so and i think most industries are the same the fundamentals are the same and so you need to build assets that really uh, cater to that that are evergreen and that will help make your business more valuable so rather than doing things that are uh, done today and then lost tomorrow, I want to help people focus on building those assets because income comes from assets. That's that's really good. Income comes from assets. Like that's that's a really important distinction, uh, especially in, in marketing because I think uh, in the field of information products and content marketing, I don't know how many of those people you deal with, probably quite a few. What you will often find is the content uh, marketing people or content first businesses those people love creating content, but not so much creating marketing. Mm. Yes. Right? Um, so, and that's why marketing assets don't get created yep. or they don't get deployed um, consistently. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. And um, what's like, what has been your philosophy in uh, creation of marketing systems and deployment of marketing systems? How do you go about working with your clients to, to ensure that marketing systems are being deployed, marketing is being activated across the board consistently, frequently, repeatedly? 
Yeah, so so we start working on the strategic plan. So, and this is like the big picture. This is the map. Where do we want to go? How are we going to take people through the journey? Let's not worry about the technical details of how do I set my CRM up? How do I set my landing page up? Let's just go through the high-level strategy. And that's essentially the one-page marketing plan. Mm -hmm. We talk about media. We talk about messaging. We talk about um, target market. We talk about how do we nurture those leads? How do we convert those leads? How do we deliver a world-class experience? How do we derive referrals? How do we um, uh, upsell and give them more value? So we outline all of that, right? We get the strategy, right? It's kind of like, you know, uh, I recently moved into this house. I was building it for the last two years. And the first, uh, you know, the first six months, there was nothing happening on this block of land, right? Because we were working with the architect, we were working with the council, you know, and I walked into the architect's office. I said, look, I want a six-car garage. I want a rooftop terrace. I want this and that. And he's like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, tell me about your lifestyle. Do you have children? Do you entertain a lot? Um, do you work from home? Do you work from an office? You know, so uh, t- tell me all of that. And and I thought, you know, isn't that interesting? You know, uh, we could have just started talking features and benefits and, you know, specifications and all of that. But, you know, and the end result was we built a house that was very different than I, than I had in my mind because, you know, he said, hang on, you, you're – there you're right at the top of a hill it's extremely windy right it's going to be very hot in summer so a rooftop terrace you'll probably never use it and on top of that you told me you don't entertain a lot right so you're never going to use this rooftop terrace because it's either going to be too windy it's too hot you don't entertain a lot um and then plus on top of that we're going to have problems waterproofing it and all of that sort of stuff so and he was right you know, so we needed to look at strategy first. We needed to see what's appropriate in this situation. And then when we had the plan, when we had the blueprint, then we said, right, okay, now we need to start digging a foundation. Now we need to start pouring concrete. Now we need to start digging the pool and all of that sort of stuff. And so it's only once you've got the plan, then you move into the tactical component, right? Uh, what CRM do we choose? How do we hook it up to landing pages? All of that sort of stuff. And so that's how I help my clients build those assets. We, we first work on the strategic. And then once we've got that down, then we say, okay, tactically, what do we need to do? What tools do we need? What assets do we need to create? And what processes do we need to put in place? You know? And so if we decide, right, it's a good idea for us to be doing um, regular email marketing sequences. We might sit down and choose a CRM. We might say, look, which one's appropriate for you? Are you in a B2B market? Are you in a B2C market? Are you going to have, have to have, you know, extra fields and things like that? And we choose something appropriate. We, we choose the tool. Then we say, okay, we need to build some assets. So some assets would, would be, say, like a five-step email sequence, right? So we need to write some copy. We need to decide, you know, what sequence we're going to put them in, how, we go, how are we going to uh, create urgency and so on and so forth and then we need to create processes we need to say right who is going to do what and when so we might say look john in the business on the first of every month is going to send an email newsletter to all of our uh, clients and and then we put metrics behind that we we see is john on, on track or is john off track and that's that's essentially how i work with clients to build their marketing assets that's the high level process Right, and yeah, that 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 makes total sense here. Um, one one of the things I really enjoyed in the book, you said that if you want to have dramatic growth in a short time, you got to just do a lot more marketing. You have to create and deploy a lot more marketing systems. You have to create more marketing systems, or not create more marketing systems, but 
deploy more marketing into your business in order to become a high growth business. And that's always stuck with me in, in the sense of like, okay, we're constantly deploying or creating or learning about, okay, what is it that oh, we should be marketing? How should we marketing it? And what kind of systems or what kind of marketing can I deploy at any given time? What kind of systems I can create to make sure that the marketing gets done or to make sure the marketing gets deployed. And uh, that's, you know, that's kind of, the thinking uh, behind uh, a lot of that, uh, behind a lot of what you were talking about, as in, as in how to become a high growth business exactly. in some ways. Um, now, one of the things that uh, I think we started the interview talking about it, which was like, you know, if you want to grow your business, you want to focus on your uh, existing customers. And the key there is that the more you spend on more higher probability prospects and leads, the more you have chances of winning, right? Because early on, the leads, before someone is even a lead, we don't really know like how, how probable they are to become, well, we, we have our conversion percentages and things like that. But the challenge is if we spend too much effort on that compared to actually spending effort on the ones who are already high, more higher probability, we're going to win where we spend, we're going to win more if we spend more effort on the ones that have shown their hands again and again and again. Of course. Yeah. And uh, in terms of the three phases, uh, do you kind of look at it as like, okay, where is there, is there um, uh, some sort of a rule? 80, 20, 80, 10, 10, 50, 40, 50, or have you, have you, have you ever done any kind of analysis like that to see, okay, well, where should a business spend more of its efforts in the before, during, after, like what's the ratio of that marketing effort to be deployed or marketing budget to be deployed? Yeah, look, it's, it's highly dependent on uh, the business where, where they are in maturity and their growth phase. Like a brand new startup, they need to concentrate 100% on new customer acquisition. Uh, a, cus- uh, a, a business where they, they're reasonably mature, they've got a big database, uh, you know, maybe an, uh, a database that's uh, not been contacted regularly, we really need to start on a reactivation campaign. We need to start with engagement with past prospects, past clients and things like that. So it depends where you are in the life cycle and you need to see what assets you have that we can already leverage. Like how can we make the most of what you already have rather than trying to reinvent the wheel? So if you're sitting on a large database, if you're sitting on particular assets, you know, like I've worked with clients where they've they've said, we've got this library of video content that we've actually never used. And I'm like, wow, let's, let's get, let's get this deployed. Let's get this, uh, let's use this. So it's a matter of seeing what do you have already have that we can leverage and make better use of before we start doing new things. So, and it also of course depends on where you are in the startup life cycle. Mm -hmm. Leverage what you already have. I think that's the key component here. No matter what stage of the business it is, there's always something that exists that can be leveraged rather than just constantly looking for new things to do, mm-hmm. which as a founder, which as an entrepreneur, that's the sexy new thing. It's the uh, shiny object syndrome, right? Yes, indeed. Indeed. Right. Just, just going after the newest thing. And um, even though, 
like I remember from the early days of building 2000 books, I had, I was just wrapping up my YouTube channel and just when we were building some sort of following, maybe I had like three, 4,000 subscribers. I had the brilliant idea of also starting my podcast. Um, <laughs> not, the, not the, not the smartest thing in the world. I'll tell you because it really, really, really hurt my growth on YouTube mm. and it split my focus. Yes. So yeah. how, do we stay out of situations like that? Or how do we like, what's the meta level thinking when you're, you know, in whatever phase of the business you're in to, to avoid getting yourself in traps like that, where you say, okay, well, uh, let me go and create a podcast system uh-huh. requiring new leads or what's, you know, let me go and now go and create another marketing asset. Like it's easier yeah. to think like I'm creating marketing assets, but yeah. it's also very easy to get lost in the weeds, just creating random assets that don't really add um, yeah. exponential value to the business. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you need to dominate one media or dominate one niche before you move on to the next. And it's kind of that entrepreneurial monkey mind. You just jump from one thing to another to another thing. And, and you know, I, I think you can relate to that. I certainly can. Um, I, I, I'm that way. But I think having the right team in place can really help with that because if you're doing everything, um, that's going to be a problem because you'll be a bottleneck and you'll, you'll jump from one to another. Uh, for me, I have my team in place. I've got a team leader. She knows what projects are top priority and she makes sure that the team is working on that. That leaves me free to follow ideas, to work on different projects, to work with clients, to do things like this podcast and things like that. So um, for me, team really helps with that because it, you hire the right people to execute on the stuff that is important and then that leaves you as an entrepreneur free to kind of follow your vision and follow new things and all of that. And some things will, will come to fruition and, and, and some things won't. But to me, team is that essential ingredient. Hmm, interesting. So having a team that actually knows its roles and responsibilities so that they are keeping you accountable and not letting you just uh, run off on different tangents when you had set the vision that this is what we're going to be doing yeah. this quarter or this six-month period or this year. Yeah, and, and, and they are there to often remind me about some of the stuff that's working. Like, for example, um, one of the strategies that we, we've been using is very short one-minute videos on social media, and we, we've got heaps of engagements. And, you know, I have my team leader prompting me saying, um, look, we need some more video video content. So they do the editing, they do the captioning, they do the uploading, they do all of the heavy lifting. I just need to create the content. I need to shoot the video, grab my iPhone or grab my GoPro or whatever it is and create that, you know, a bunch of one-minute videos. Um, but they're there to remind me, hey, Alan, look, th- this stuff's working really well. We're getting a lot of engagement. Let's do some more. But, you know, me, I'm moving on to the next shiny object. I'm moving on to the next uh, project and thing, things like that. So my team is there to remind me, hey, um, th- this is working really well. Let's do more of this. Interesting. Um now, in terms of totally tactical stuff, really like nuts and bolts, have you seen um, have you seen yourself like find more um, effectiveness in your marketing efforts uh, when you start batching some of these things? Like in ter- terms of creating systems to create that content, creating systems uh-huh. to ensure that that thing is not always on your mind. Like uh-huh. if you're if you're a founder of a startup, you you know you have you're like constantly thinking of marketing. Hopefully, maybe there's a way to like say, okay, well, 
I'm batching my marketing effort on this day or this time of the week or this time of the month or whatever it is, what have you found to be effective? Yeah, I found it very effective to, uh, you're right, batching like tasks together. So let's say I've got my mind on finances. Okay, I'll spend 90 minutes on these five finances. And I, in my to-do list, I batch like items. So if I need to do some recording in, on camera or need to do some audio recording, I'll batch those things together. The other thing that I do um, is I really front load my week. So Monday is my biggest day, right? I spend probably 12 hours working on a Monday because I start the week with a lot of energy, ready to go, right, let's do it, right? So, And I take advantage of that. So I do a big day on Monday. Then I do a normal day on Tuesday. On a, on a Wednesday, I'll probably do a three-quarter of a day. On Thursday, I'll do about a half a day. And pretty much I take Friday off because my mind's already on the weekend. Mm. Uh, I'm, I do a little, uh, you know, chill out with the wife, chill out with the family, all of that sort of stuff. And it's almost like a three-day weekend uh, every week. Now, that doesn't mean I do no work on a Friday. Maybe sometimes I'll do a couple of client calls in the morning or something like that. But generally speaking, I've got not much on on a, on a Friday and my Monday is really, really um, heavily loaded. So I front load my week. It, it sort of matches my energy throughout, throughout the week where I start the week off really, really strong and then energy wanes as you get to Thursday, Friday. Do you also do some batching in terms of my marketing? Like, okay, Mondays are my marketing days or Tuesdays are my marketing days? Or, yeah. Or, uh, yep. Yep. So I've got recurring items that I that I do on on certain days. So certain days I allocate to right. This is a day for client calls, or this is a day for writing content, or those sorts of things. The other thing that I do is I use my mornings wisely. So I, rather than opening up my email and seeing random things, I, I like to write first thing in the morning because mm. again I'm fresh and I've got ideas and I can get those out. Yeah, that's that's really good. So that's like they call eating the frog um, and then doing the most important thing first, even though it's the ugliest thing sometimes. Um, One of the things that I keep going back to, and you've talked about it in different frames and different ways. Uh, You talk about how products make you money, but systems make you a fortune. So when I read that line, I don't know where you came up with it or where you read it or what the origin of that line was. Like when I read it, I was like, man, this is really good. Um, so expound on that a little bit. Yeah, I don't remember where I first heard that, but um, no doubt it's from, from one of my mentors. Um, but I, 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 either way, um, it is really, I found it to be really, really true. Um, you know, when I sold my first business, uh, it was an IT business, but one of the valuable things about it was the intellectual property. So we had we had built an operations manual. We had shown, right, this is how you do XYZ, this is how you do this, this is how you do that, and checklists and things like that. And that meant that the business could run without me. It meant that, you know, someone buying the business wouldn't be just buying a list of customers that had bought historically in the past, but they're buying intellectual property, they're buying uh, know how, they're buying how do we do this, how do we do that, you know, and that was from everything from, you know, how do we answer the phone, how do we. You know, when we interact with a customer on site, what are the things we need to do, right? We need to get a signed form back. We need to make sure that everything's fine before we're leaving and all of that sort of stuff. So we had uh, those operations manuals in place and that makes the business more valuable. You know, why is McDonald's valuable compared to another burger, uh, burger shop, right? You know, probably they, their burgers aren't any better. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
but it's because they have those systems. They've got a multi-million dollar business that essentially run by teenagers because they know how to follow systems, right? They know, mm-hmm. okay, you squeeze this much ketchup on a, on a burger, you squeeze this much sauce, you put this much pickle, and it's a system. So systems are valuable. People buy systems. That's what franchising is all about. You buy a, a franchise system because uh, it makes it's valuable. People want to be able to just take something on and run with it because if everything's in your mind, then you're the only one who can do it. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not very valuable. You can't sell that. Yeah. So as a business owner, you almost like constantly have to be thinking of more meta than the current level of thinking as in thinking of why you're doing it and how you're doing it to yes. create this process and systems in place. Yes. Yeah. Well, Alan, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a lot of uh, good learning uh, for for myself and hopefully for our audience as well. So uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about... Um, what you are up to now, what are the different fun things you're doing and where to find more of what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So um, you can grab my book, The One Page Marketing Plan from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you buy books. Um, you can engage with, with me on successwise.com. You can can join my newsletter. I, I regularly send uh, new articles. All right. Awesome. Got it. By the way, guys, if you're listening, uh, one page marketing plan is one of my top 10 book recommendations in the marketing world. So highly recommend that book. If you are an online entrepreneur, if you're any kind of entrepreneur, this book is extremely applicable. So I cannot recommend it enough. I actually created, I don't know, you probably not seen it yet, Alan, but I just uh, a little while ago, I created a post called the best marketing books of all time. And one page marketing plan is up there. So Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for writing the book. Been a fan ever since I first read it. So, um, yeah, uh, I will share it with you. I'll send it over to you. Perfect. Um, I love that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's, that's, what, that's what I have here for everyone. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Alan, for being here on the show. And uh, bye.